0: This is the word of the Lord Acts ten thirty four to thirty eight. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judah, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him.
1: Acts ten thirty nine through 43. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him from the dead on the third day, and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses from whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appoint, appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets test about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name.
2: That was awesome. For helping us uh, lead worship this morning and now Omar. Yeah, thank you everybody. All all of you, I'm not going to try to remember all of your names because I will totally forget somebody but thank you all for uh, helping us lead worship this morning. Let's pray again. Uh, great God, this is your word. Uh, you have delighted to reveal yourself to us in this word uh, and in these stories that we're looking at in the life of Peter. And so we ask now that as we spend time looking at one more time at this particular story of Peter and Cornelius, that you would help us uh, to see the kind of community you want us to be. In Jesus' name we pray, Amen. All right, every single one of us is an evangelist. Uh, the word evangelist comes from the Greek word, "euangelizomai" uh, or yoangelidzomai. I'm trying to impress you with my Greek. Um, and uh, that word is the word that's translated as good news. So an evangelist is someone who has good news to share. That's if, if you kind of think of it in that respect. And we are all. Uh, have good news that we want to share. So kids, I want you to think of a time, right? Where you were, maybe you were at school, maybe you were at a friend's house, maybe you were at a relative's house and your mom or your dad come and they pick you up and you're like, I have something to tell you, right? You're an evangelist. You're saying good news that you're sharing about whatever it is that happened. Uh, We're all evangelists for something, right? You spent any amount of time with me And I will be an evangelist for something Apple technology. Uh, Jen and I have been geeking out on a new app that Apple just released called Freeform. If you want me to talk about it, I'd be happy to talk to you about it. It's a great app. Um, If you spend any time with me, I'll talk to you about a meal that I've had, something that that we cooked. Uh, There's all kinds of things that I love to talk about because they're awesome and I enjoy them and I want you to enjoy them with me. You probably have the same thing, right? Uh, A book that you've read. How many of you is like, oh, let me tell you about this book, right? Come on, I need a little bit more. A movie, a movie, a song, a concert, a restaurant, right? No, you all aren't fun to hang out with. (laughs) Goodness gracious. All right, thank you. This side, all right. Um, Every single one of us has something that we're like, oh, I can't wait to share this thing, this news with somebody else because of the happiness, the joy, the good experience that it brings us, and we want to share that with other people. Uh, Have you ever stopped to wonder why we do that? Have you ever stopped to wonder why it is that when something is really exciting or something is really good, that one of our first impulses is, I want to tell somebody else about it. I want to suggest to you that the reason that we do that is because the God who created us is a God who has good news to share. And he shares it with us. And because we have been made in his image, then we do the same thing that he does. When something good happens, we want to talk about it. We want to celebrate it. We want other people to be able to share in that good news too. Uh, And so, as a result, it makes sense that the church is a community that is an evangelistic community. The church is a community that has good news. And as a community, as a group of people, we want to share that good news with other people. Two weeks ago... Uh, if you were here with us, we talked about the the, the, the unique moment in history that we find ourselves in. Uh, we said, I said that uh, the similarity and the reason we look to Peter and the book of Acts for guidance for how we do ministry today is that for all of the differences that we have between today and the ancient world, that one similarity that's really important for us to hold on to is the fact that Uh, Peter was doing ministry before this period of time that's known as Christendom. And we're doing this ministry in a period of time after Christendom. Christendom is uh, that period in history. It starts, we know when it starts, 313 AD, uh, when the Roman Emperor Constantine declares Christianity to be an official religion of the empire, the official religion of the empire. And it goes for hundreds of years and people debate when it ends. Uh, but nobody debates that we are now in a post Christendom context. We're now in a post Christendom world. And what that means is that the privileged position that the church had for a long period of time is no longer there. It doesn't mean that Christianity doesn't have any more influence in the world. Uh, and, and, and really this is a conversation for the Western world Uh, in the global South. It's a completely different scenario. Um, and so what we said is that we want to learn, what does it look like for us? We want to learn from Peter and we want to learn from the book of Acts about what it looks like to do ministry today, because we are in a similar type of context. And one of the things that you, you see as you read the book of Acts is that the Christians in the book of Acts had this desire to talk about who Jesus is and what Jesus had done. And you see this again and again and again. There's all these stories where you see people are coming. There was this real intentionality that the early church had to have these types of conversations. They like to talk about, like Sweetie, we do, we like to talk about good things. They like to talk about good things. And for them, the good thing that was always on their lips was, this is who Jesus is, and this is what Jesus has done. And in that respect, we talked last week about being a contrast community right? A community that has, uh, that is challenging the values and beliefs of the culture by reflecting Jesus. All right. So what we're going to do today is we're going to look at this passage again, and we're going to, there's three questions, but there's only two points. Okay. So the first question that we're going to look at is what is the gospel? Peter gives us an, a definition of the gospel here. Uh, it's not a definition, but but the definition that I, I want to use is—it comes out of what Peter says. Uh, so we're, first of all, what is the gospel? Secondly, who is the gospel for? And then what does the gospel do? And but we're going to answer those two questions together by looking first at Peter and then secondly at Cornelius. And then we're going to bring it all together. Okay? So uh, the post-Christendom church has good news that it is eager to share. That's, if you walk away with nothing else, walk away with that. The post-Christendom church has good news that it should be eager to share. Okay? All right. Now, uh, um, a few weeks ago, I gave you guys an illustration from C.S. Lewis's book, The Last Battle. Uh, We just finished reading it in our household last night. Uh, So if you remember in the last battle, there's a monkey, an ape, by the name of Shift, who... Uh, tricks the Narnians into thinking that a donkey that's got this uh, coat of a lion on him is the real Aslan. And so what ends up happening is Shift is tricking everybody. He's lying to everybody about who Aslan is. And as a result, the dwarves completely reject Aslan. So they actually turn against the king of Narnia in the, in the, in the last battle that happens. And, and, and uh, if you know the story, what they say again and again and again is, the dwarves are for the dwarves. Well, what happens is that at one particular point in the story, the real Aslan shows up and he's right in front of the dwarves and they don't see him. Right? They, 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 they don't see what was right in front of their eyes, and Lucy uh, is back in the army, and she's like, what's going on? And Aslan says, they don't believe in me anymore, so they can't see me. Uh, if we don't believe the gospel, if we don't have an understanding of what the gospel is, we can be easily deceived into believing other things that are the gospel. So what is the gospel? The gospel is, the good news is, What God has done and is doing in the life, death, resurrection, ascension, and return of Jesus. And how that changes our lives. Let me say that again. I'm going to say it several times this morning. The gospel is the good news about what God has done and is doing in the life, death, resurrection, ascension, and return of Jesus. And how that changes our lives. Now, Peter... Unpacks this for us. First of all, Peter says in verse thirty-six, uh, "You know the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord." He says, "You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news." That's the word, evangelizo, evangelist. The good news of peace through Jesus Christ. And then, what does he do? He goes on. Maddie read that portion of the story for us. He goes on to talk about Jesus's life. Listen to what he says. You know what has happened. So this is him preaching to Cornelius and everybody that's there. And he says to them, you know what has happened through the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, how he went about doing good, healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. So what is Peter saying? Jesus was anointed. Jesus did miracles. Jesus taught people. And we saw everything he did. So part of the gospel is the life of Jesus. It's all of the things that he said and he did while he was with us. Secondly, part of the gospel is that Jesus died. Peter says that in verse 39. They killed him by hanging him on the cross. The gospel is also that Jesus rose again from the dead. Peter says that in verse 40. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. So it's not just that he rose again from the dead, but it's that he rose again from the dead and a bunch of people saw him. So there are a bunch of witnesses that saw that he rose again from the dead. Women and men were the witnesses were able to testify and say, no, I saw him. And then Peter says, this changes the way that I live. Two ways he says that. First of all, we looked at this last week. Remember what he said last week? All of a sudden, uh, God uh, showed him the prejudice that he had toward Cornelius as a Gentile and to other Romans. He says in verses 34 and 35, I now realize... How true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. There's something that Peter didn't understand, and it took the gospel in order for Peter to be able to understand it, and it changed his life. I now think differently because of the gospel. But it's not just that he thinks differently because of the gospel, it's that he's doing different things now because of the gospel. Because you see in verse 42, he says, Jesus commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one who got appointed as judge of the living and the dead. So Peter, the way Peter thinks and the way Peter acts is now different because of the gospel. So what's our definition? The gospel is the good news of what God has done and is doing through the life, death, resurrection, ascension, and return of Jesus and how that changes your life. We just took time out of our service to acknowledge that our world needs the gospel, right? You, you, New York Times, Washington Post, CNN, Fox, whatever, right now, what's on the news? Our world needs the gospel. Our country needs the gospel. Our country needs good news about reconciliation in the midst of horrible tragedy. But we need the gospel in this room too, right? For some of us, like right now, we are facing things uh, personally. We're facing things professionally. We're dealing with things that, that like we need good news about what God is doing for us in Jesus, we need good news that the broken and sad things of this world are all going to come untrue in the new heavens and the new earth. We need the gospel, okay? So now that is what the gospel is. It's this good news, and this is the message that we have, all right? So then who needs it, and what does it do? That's our second point. Who needs it, and what does it do? First of all, we see that those who believe in the gospel need the gospel, okay? Okay? Those who already believe it still need it. We see that in Peter. Uh, And so those who, so the gospel for those who believe brings sanctification. Sanctification is this wonderful theological word. It's a big word, kids. Okay. But it means very simply becoming like Jesus. Um, And those who don't believe need the gospel for salvation. We all need the gospel. We all need this good news of what God has done and is doing. So in Acts chapter 10, we see that Peter needs the gospel. Now, here's what happened. Um, if let's, say, let's just say for a moment that you're going to come with me. I grew up in Miami, okay? Uh, let's just say that you're going to come with me to Miami. I'm taking you to my parents' house. My mom is going to make us an amazing Puerto Rican meal. Like, you don't realize how excited you should be right now, Okay? <laughs> Ask my children. You should be super excited. So you're coming with me, and I'm like, hey, let me just, let me kind of set you up for what's going to happen when you walk into my parents' house. My aunts and uncles are going to be there, uh, and you're going to meet them. It's going to be loud. just going to tell you that. Um, But here's the thing you have to know, that when you walk in my parents' house, they're going to greet you with a kiss on the cheek. And this is how it works, okay? Um, Women kiss women and men on the cheek, men only kiss women on the cheek. The exception to that is if you're intimate family, then you'll kiss, a man will kiss another man. So I will walk in and you'll see me kiss my dad. You'll see me probably if my abuelo is there, you'll see me kiss my abuelo. Um, you don't need to kiss them. If you're a guy, don't do that. That's a bad idea, right? If you're a woman, it's, a, it's culturally appropriate for you to do that. Um, and here's the thing, like you say, oh, kiss on the cheek, but it's not really a kiss on the cheek. What it is, is that I'm going to put, you know, this is the other person's cheek. I'm going to put your cheek next to my cheek. The cheeks will just kind of sort of touch and you'll make a little sound. Okay. Uh, and that's the kiss only on the right cheek. Don't do the left. You'll end up kissing on the lips. It's horrible. (laughs) Um, and, and so ask Kate sometime, about the first time she came to visit my family in Miami Um, or better yet ask Asher sometime about being in Cuba with me where he had to do this. Um, So this is like culturally normative for Miami. This is just how Miami rolls Uh, to this day no kidding. This I'm totally digressing right now. L- literally yesterday we're having the new members class and people are walking in and it was like everything inside of me, not to like lean in and start kissing people. Okay. Cause I was like, Oh, I'm going to like run off all these people who want to join our church. are so like, that pastor's a little frisky. Um, but, but here's the thing you have to understand it is. And this is my point. It is so deeply ingrained into who I am that I actually have to turn it off because it is such a part of who I am as a human being. Okay, you got that? So culturally, what happened was that the Jews said, hey, we don't eat with Gentiles because we're going to go to their house and they're going to feed us pork and we don't do pork. Uh, They're going to feed us cheeseburgers and we don't do cheeseburgers. Uh, They're going to feed us things that we can't eat and so therefore, we're just going to avoid going into the house of a Gentile because we don't want to be put in that position. But guess what happens? That gets deeply ingrained into the culture. And then, unfortunately, in this particular situation, it morphs into something really sinful. It morphs into prejudice. We saw that last week. Gentiles are dirty. Gentiles are unclean. Gentiles, you, can't, you don't even go into the house of a Gentile. And that was wrong. I was wrong. And so the gospel needed to work in Peter to change the way that he lived his life. Church, the gospel changes the way you live your life. It changes where you go. It changes the the things that are entertaining to us. It changes that, right? It changes the way that we talk. It should change how we think and respond to what's happened in Memphis. It should change the way that we think and respond to mass shootings around our country. That's the thing about the gospel. Like it gets down into all of the nooks and crannies of life. And it changes the way that you live. And that's why, that's why the church can be a contrast community. Because when, when you got a group of people, you got well, hundred and something people here, right? You got a hundred and something people who are together, and they're like, okay, we're going to let the gospel, we're going to start memorizing scripture to help our kids, we, but to help ourselves to remember God's word is a light to my feet and a light, uh, light into my feet. I'm, I'm going to memorize it. I promise you. <laughs> God's word is a light unto our feet and a lamp unto our path. I'm going to get it. Don't worry. Um, that that that, like all of a sudden changes how you do things, right? So this is how the gospel is at work. And those who believe, it makes you more like Jesus. If we call that sanctification, that's what the gospel, that's the gospel work for those who believe. The gospel work for those who don't believe is the work of salvation. Now, the cool thing is, kids, have you ever put a seed in a pot or in in soil, right? And you water it and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting. And then all of a sudden, you know, this little little shoot comes out, uh, tomato or whatever. And it's still going to be a long time. Let's say it's tomato seed. Tomato seeds are tiny. Um, And you put it in and it sprouts and it grows and grows and grows and grows. It's still going to be a while before you're going to be able to have a tomato. But here's the thing that before you even saw the tiniest little bit of that plant come out of the soil, stuff was already happening inside the soil that we didn't see. That's how the gospel works in people's lives. Uh, God was working in Cornelius's heart long before Peter showed up. How do we know that? Well, we're actually told two things about Cornelius, aren't we? We're told that he was a man of prayer And we're told that he was a man who cared for the poor. Um, Now, those are not distinctively Christian virtues. But in this particular particular passage, what we're being told is that these are the things that were indicators that God was already at work in his life. And so there's a passage in the book of 1 Corinthians where Paul talks about uh, some people plant the seed. Some people water the seed, but God is the one who makes it grow. And so in this particular story, right, Peter is the one God had planted. The, somebody had planted the seed in Cornelius' heart. We don't know who that person was. Uh, somebody had come along and watered the seed and given the seed soil and sun and all. You know, this is a metaphor, right, right, right? Um, and Peter is the one who gets to come along and say, oh. Let's pick the fruit. Let me talk to you about Jesus. And so as a result, Cornelius comes to faith in Jesus. And then he's baptized because of his faith in Jesus. This is the good news that that we have. And it's better than any app that Apple's going to create. Or it's better than the nicest meal that you're going to have. This is the good news that we have. And so we're a community, right? We're the church is a community that has this really great news. And guess what? We need to be having spiritual conversations with each other to talk about it. So some of you, I hope, I hope many of you, will be joining community, or Bible studies coming up. Uh, many of you uh, will be, uh, um, ladies will be going to the, the women's seasonal brunch. Uh, after church, right? There's going to be conversations that are happening. Uh, And so in all of these venues, you have at, you have like right at your fingertips, you have good news and you just don't know how God will use your words to bless other people. And so I want to invite you to, let's be a community, let's be a church that prioritizes having conversations with one another where we're constantly pointing one another back to the gospel. Now here's the thing. That sounds so great. It sounds so awesome, right? But it's hard because sometimes the gospel is like, hey, you said that. You shouldn't say that. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm like, I, like, I want people to like me. Um, and so it can be hard sometimes to have these kinds of conversations. This week, you're going to go to school, to work, Somewhere you're going to be somewhere and there will likely be opportunities for you to have conversations with people where you could talk about any number of spiritual things and simply be planting the seed, watering it, giving it sun or being the one that gets to pick the fruit, being the one that actually gets to walk with somebody into the journey of faith. Uh, I said this to the new members class. If you've never had the experience of being the one that Jesus uses to have somebody become a Christian, oh, it is one of the coolest experiences that you can have. It is, it is one of the most profound experiences that you can have as a follower of Jesus. I would love it if all of us could say, oh yes, I've had that experience. Not just once, but multiple times. Now, in order for us to be there, we have to be a community that prioritizes having spiritual conversations, a community that believes that the gospel is good news for us, just as much as is good news for people outside of this community, whether they believe or not. Because the church in this post-Christendom world has good news that it is eager to share. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, this, this uh, teaching from the book of Acts. And we thank you that you, uh, that you gave Peter this opportunity to see Cornelius come to faith in you. And Lord, we ask that you would please help us to be people who uh, are excited about having conversations with others and talking to them about the good news of who you are and what it is that you have done for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.